0: Big news bookworms, November is National Novel Writing Month, and Serendipity Literary Agency is hosting a Young Adult Novel Discovery Contest.
1: Do you have a YA novel but no idea how to pitch it? No problem. For the entire month of November, aspiring YA writers can submit the first 250 words of their young adult novel for a chance to win a full manuscript critique by one of New York's top literary agents.
0: With Serendipity's Young Adult Novel Discovery Contest, you can get your writing seen by editors at top publishing houses like Simon and Schuster, HarperCollins, Penguin, Random House, and more.
1: Contest finalists have gone on to get a top-tier agent and an amazing publishing deal. So why not join them? Learn how to enter by visiting serendipitylit.com/contest today.
0: Entries will be accepted between November 1st and November 30th. So visit serendipitylit.com/contest to get started.
1: That's serendipitylit.com/contest.
0: Bye, bookworms. And go get writing. Now presents Wild Card Part 2 of the Warcross series by Marie Lu. everyone to another episode of MK Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford and I'm Marissa Snyder and this is our young
1: adult fiction podcast and this week we finished Wild Card, which is the second book by Marie Lu in the Warcross series and also the final book. So we're done. We finished it.
0: We're all done. Game over. Game over. Very appropriate. <laughs> 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 this second half I feel like... Things just exploded in your face. It was kind of crazy. It was a lot of things. It was a (laughs) lot because the the book like started out as like, oh, this is a fun little virtual reality game, and then all of a sudden it's like computers are stealing our identity (laughs) and our mind is separated from our bodies. Yeah, it really kind of threw me for a loop.
1: I think I I think I was glad it was a duology. I think that the pace. Like, I think if it had been stretched out too much, it would have been, like, too far-fetched in some way. It felt like, because it was fast, I didn't have enough time to question it almost, and I just kind of went with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Because, like, halfway through the second half, I I had a moment where I was like, is this really happening? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just so outlandish, and, like, it's almost too much. Well, and it was just so, to your point, it was so
1: different from where we started. Like, I sort of just (laughs) miss Warcross.
0: Me too. I just wanna stay in that world playing video games. Yeah.
1: It was I thought it was cool because I was starting to think like we're not gonna get any backstory or more context for these characters. I did like, and I know I'm kinda jumping to the end, but when they were (laughs) As we always do playing their final game inside Zero's consciousness or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And every time somebody got like tagged by the boogeyman, um, (laughs) their, like, memories would play out, and I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of, like, I think seeing people's memories in that way was, like, a really interesting way to give us more background about the characters.
0: I, like, really I agree. liked
1: all of those moments.
0: Especially since she didn't really have time to do it otherwise. Yeah, I was, that's, like, before that happened,
1: I was like, okay, great, like, we are getting some resolution on this part of the story, like, at least we know what happened to his brother, I guess, but, like, what about all these people? And then mm-hmm. she kind of touched on it quickly,
0: but... I did feel like we sort of visited everyone. And it was a creative way to do it. Yeah. To build it in. So let's go back to the beginning where um, I was completely wrong. (laughs) I like don't even
1: remember what I thought anymore.
0: Remember? All right. Well, remember when we were talking about the black coats before? I was like, oh, they're vigilantes and they're good people (laughs) and they just want to prevent you know, people in power from taking over. And then there was a line when was talking to Jax, and she was like, so what about the Black Coats being a group of vigilantes who fight for causes they believe in? And she was like, lies. Yeah, Those are lies. And I was like, true. oh, I fell for it. <laughs> I was very disappointed in myself.
1: Though, I mean, I'm trying to, where we stopped, we didn't know anything about
0: anything, right? We knew, did we? We didn't know that the Black Coats were like this fake organization that dr taylor started to hide all the crazy experiments she was doing on children yeah so that's where we left off we're like we learned that dr taylor has this like obsession with death and how final it is because she saw her dad die like suddenly before her yeah and then she started studying how to separate the brain from the body and she was using all these kids and you were totally right because you speculated i think you actually said it you were like i think she was using suzuki as an experiment and then somehow he got taken out of it and she kidnapped him because she wanted to keep using him in her experiments so you called it
1: yeah but i had no idea what kind of experiment they were doing or that he was (laughs) sick and dying before that that's true yeah Like, that, like, I feel like there was just, like, every, like, new sentence, I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? (laughs) He had a terminal illness? (laughs) Jacks did, too? (laughs) And, okay, so here's another question, though. Was this the only experiment she was doing? Um, I think so. Because they kind of painted it like she had this whole organization, but it sort of feels like she put all of her eggs in one basket, and it was the one unwilling basket that she had to work with. I feel like this was the
0: most important experiment. Okay. Because she yeah. had all those children and they had to have high IQs and they had to be dying of terminal illnesses in case the experiment went wrong. And it was very elaborate. It was actually kind of like clever and like a
1: sick sequ- way. You know how I like really like when there's smart villains or whatever? Mm-hmm. And I did feel, I never felt sympathy is too strong of a word, but I. It made sense. Like when we, we got enough of her backstory and her motivation to kind of understand how she got to this point and how she was motivated by like, you know, it's going to pay off at the end. It's worth it for this one kid so that people can live forever, specifically me or whatever. You know, like like you sort of understood how she got there. Because it seems kind of crazy that like a lady would steal a kid and, yeah, you know, force him to do all this stuff. But you sort of like get it because you get enough of her background.
0: I guess so. But... So that was the whole thing? She was looking for immortality? I think so. I think, I mean, I think it was a lot of stuff
1: with her dad dying and she like became obsessed about how the brain works and this idea. I mean, it sounds like she was pretty young when she basically was exposed to this idea that like one day your brain just turns off, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And became kind of crazy about it.
0: Isn't that a thing that people talk about now? Like the ability to upload your consciousness so you never really die? Um, Like, is it a real thing that you can do right now, you mean? Or that people talk about, like, we'll be able to do it in the future.
1: I think so. I think it's, like, something people talk about. But I think that it sort of was true in this case, you know, like, that you're still missing sort of that emotional piece, right? Yeah. Like, we haven't figured out how to replicate emotions truly.
0: Right. But wasn't that the whole point of her experiment? She wanted to, like, integrate AI with human emotions.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so that's why I also got confused because I would think that <laughs> his connection to his family would help her experiment. Like being able to recreate that would yeah. be a good thing, but it was like it was hurting her ability to control him, so she wanted to get rid of it. Yeah. That was kind of interesting.
0: But you think that is like the whole point of what makes him human? Yes. Also, question. So I get that Suzuki's mom withdrew him. And so Dr. Taylor had him kidnapped. But wouldn't Suzuki's mom know exactly who kidnapped him if that That's happened? That's what I didn't really get either. I Or at least suspect. Like, how do you not... At least suspect her. Yeah. That didn't add up to me. And then what else didn't add up was they kept talking about how all these kids had terminal illnesses, but Jax somehow doesn't anymore. Or maybe she never did. Well, she definitely had
1: a terminal illness because that's why she said no one else wanted to adopt her because she was so, t- or at least she was really, really sick. Maybe, I guess, what what do yeah. we mean by terminal illness? And I guess they were saying that they were actually, it was like a dual experiment, so they were doing both things at the same time. Oh, they actually were developing a drug?
0: I thought that was just a cover. I think
1: that they were. But they must I have been. I think they were doing both, which also seems crazy because I would feel like that would be a big experiment on its own, like a serious enough thing. Yeah. Like, how can you, like, do that on the
0: side? <laughs> I have no idea. Project Zero makes zero sense to me. <laughs> In my spare time, I'm gonna save people from
1: terminal illnesses, but that won't be what I'm actually doing. The, the lady's quite ambitious. Well, and I don't get how she could have done it on her own. So I still have a lot of questions about who else knew, how I don't know. Just like it, just it seems weird that she would be able to like be the mastermind of all of this and like her only two sidekicks are like this girl that she adopted from the hospital which who let her do that I feel like some child services should have been like I don't (laughs) think you're allowed
0: to like experiment on your own children like that I'm pretty sure that's not looked uh (laughs) looked too kindly upon
1: yeah and then her fake mind-controlled digital dead kid
0: (laughs) I don't even know
1: you're forgetting about Ken our man Ken Well, was he part of the group or did they just convince, did they just like pay him off to
0: feed her information? Yeah. I don't know. But that was a shocker when we learned Ken was in on it the whole time. The guy we didn't think was important.
1: I always knew there was something about him, but I thought he was going to be good, not bad.
0: I love that I totally wrote him off and like didn't even bother learning his name until like the last episode. I never learned his
1: name, but I do think every episode I at least mentioned him. Like, what's going on with that guy?
0: More than we thought—that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and like, what a revelation that um, zero or Suzuki was like a hologram the entire time. Yeah, that 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 shocked was shocking. Me too. He's an, he was an illusion the entire time, and like, it makes sense because no one touched him. Like, you know, th- she was trying to think of like cases where someone actually physically interacted with him, and that she couldn't think of one
1: yeah I think it was interesting too because I was really curious how they were going to deal with the fact that he like didn't care about his brother at all so it was sort of interesting that how they played that out that he wasn't a human anymore and they had like removed that piece of him basically mm-hmm. those memories of him because I was wondering how you just like I don't know I thought that was really sad to watch him growing up and watch him having to make these choices about oh like when he tried to like escape? basically he saved Jack yeah. to and gave up everything else gave up his freedom okay but also I'm like all over the place right now why did their parents not tell Hideo that his brother was sick at some Mm. point I would think even after he was gone wouldn't you want to be like he was probably not still out there because he was dying and we wanted him to die at home I don't know I just feel like at some point this kid I mean he's like 20 some years old now and oh you mean like
0: I'll get why they didn't tell him as a child but yeah now that he's older yeah no I understand that part And he's still, like, looking for his brother. I feel like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: And what do his parents know now?
0: Oh, that's a really good point. I have no idea. We kind of left them behind. I hope he... Yeah. uh, Well, okay. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Because (laughs) what I don't understand is Suzuki was in Zero's mind still. And that was, like, the whole thing when they were going through and they were trying to, like, hijack Zero's mind so they could upload Suzuki's memories and, like, make him human again. And when they were fighting that last Warcross game, in his mind, like, Suzuki was trying to clear their way while Zero was blocking them. And then they upload his memories, and then, like, Suzuki takes control, he, he dismantles the algorithm, but then what? Because, like, Zero's not dead, and Suzuki's not dead... What is he? Where is he?
1: Well, I don't get it either, because Zero is Suzuki, but Zero's like Suzuki with a missing piece. Mm -hmm. But, like, Suzuki's the whole Suzuki. So now that they're (laughs) united,
0: Zero and Suzuki are one, they're okay?
1: Yeah, so maybe there is no Zero. Maybe Zero is now a full Suzuki. But where
0: is he? Like, he's still a virtual projection, right? Yeah, he's just out in the world. Yeah, he's He's just just out in the ether somewhere. That's what I don't understand. And he always
1: will be, which is also weird. Because then I kind of feel bad for him. Like, is he just still going to exist when all these people grow old and die of natural deaths? Hopefully? That'd be terrible to have your consciousness trapped like that. It would be. I'd almost want you to remove my
0: memories yeah. or shut me down. Or... Shut me. D- yeah. Take me
1: out, Coach.
0: I I don't yeah. understand that. And I know he had like they were building like an exoskeleton for him, but still, like he... yeah. But how? Yeah. <laughs> He's still an artificial intelligence program. And I don't get, like, I don't really get I'm it. I'm not satisfied with that, personally. And
1: here's my other question. If this was how successful their first project was and it's been years, there have to be other, at least partial virtual people. out. Like, how do you just build one <laughs> and then you're know. like, okay, I'm good.
0: You think there's other, like, partial AI human I mean, I think if she was
1: a good scientist, she should have had, like, once you have one successful one, don't you try to replicate it? Maybe she didn't have time. Let's hope she didn't have time. Because one is plenty. But it was, well, yes. (laughs) But it just, it sort of didn't make sense. Like, it's not like something where you're like, the first time
0: you get it right, and then you're like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't necessarily, I definitely don't agree with the mindset that she saved Suzuki's life by making him permanent. Yeah. Like, I really thought they were going to download Suzuki's memories and then, like, let him go. Like, shut him down. And I thought Hideo was going to come to peace with his brother's death and they were just going to... Like, say goodbye. Let him rest, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's not what happened.
1: No. It's all very weird.
0: So, uh, yeah, I guess I was a little disappointed with the ending. And then I also didn't think that, um... I didn't think it was realistic that Hideo just got off with, like, house arrest at the end. Yeah, (laughs) I wasn't sure about that either because... He killed Dr. Taylor, first of all.
1: I mean... True. And he essentially killed or allowed people to kill them, like, the suicide thing when he was controlling their brain. Even the... I mean, like, just because someone is a murderer doesn't mean you're allowed to kill them right so even right the, even like the good quote unquote death that he meant to do or whatever like the real guilty people that he drove to suicide aren't like excusable
0: <laughs> no and like just because he claims that he designed the algorithm to save his brother's life doesn't mean that he's not responsible for all the evil it caused too
1: So, I think this is where I have a lot of questions about who did know about the algorithm. Because we did see that there were, like, all these governmental people. It's not like he actually tricked the whole world. He tricked, like, the general population. Mm -hmm. But maybe if he was governmentally protected or supported or, like, maybe that had something to do with how he got off so easy. Maybe. But I agree. That was...
0: Like, obviously, I don't want him to go to jail, but I thought it was just too easy of an out. You know? Yeah. And is Jack still in jail? Um... I don't know, because she blamed Taylor and the Institute for pretty much everything. hmm And now she wants to rebuild the Neuralink. That's the other thing. Like, they dismantled the, ne- the Neuralink, and, I'm, and I was just like, how is everyone going to function without this anymore? Because it'd be like if you took all our smartphones away. Yeah. But ten times worse. Well, Emeka is rebuilding it. Yeah, It'll and help, she is. Yeah. And she's doing it with zero. No. Is it with zero? I thought she was, because she was like, he asks her to rebuild it, and then she asks, H- or someone asked her to rebuild it. I think it's whoever, like, took over um, Henka Games, or whatever it's called. Oh, Hen- Tenka Games, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. right, you're right. So she's, and she's rebuilding it with Hideo.
1: Hideo. Yeah, he's like a consultant who's not allowed to do any code or,
0: like, touch it. <laughs> <laughs> I still think it's a mistake to ask him to do it at all, personally. I kind of think even is too close. Uh, yeah, that's very true. And
1: I don't know if, like... But I also agree that, like, someone there's a void and it needs to be filled, so someone needs to rebuild. Like, I mean, it makes sense that...
0: They want to rebuild it. Yeah. But can they ever... I just feel like they're going to go in circles. Like, I feel like eventually they'll rebuild it to the point where it starts doing damage again, and they'll have to rein themselves in again. I don't know. Well, yeah, you're going to
1: have to have a different way of, like, controlling it or checks and balances or something. And I'm actually surprised that they're using the same company name. (laughs) I feel like just for publicity's sake, you need to at least change your name, not just your CEO. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's going to be so weird. I mean, I guess I'm glad that Hideo and Emeka ended up together because like in the end I liked that he did relinquish the algorithm like like you said you were like if he if he gives it up on his own we can forgive him but if she has to like force it from him or take it from him by force we don't think they'll have a reconciliation so I like that he did come around at the end yeah it was
1: all but I never even really felt like he had a moment where he was like shit I lost it like that I, like, <laughs> totally let this roll out of control. Like, I never really feel like he admitted I took it too far.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. A little more guilt would have gone a long way. Yeah. <laughs> or just, like, acknowledging that he was wrong.
1: Yeah. In creating yeah. it. Yeah.
0: He's still not my favorite person, I have to say.
1: No, he's not my favorite either. But I, I feel really bad for him, too. Like, this is where, it, like, I mean, not that this excuses anything, but
0: his brother was kidnapped i mean you know like it's not like he i don't know but it's, it's a good lesson in like how intentions good intentions can have really bad results because dr taylor just wanted to find immortality and then she ended up experimenting on all these innocent kids mm-hmm. so it's like it's interesting how like an idea that starts out good and has good intentions can can turn into something so evil yeah i guess that's the theme of the story I still think, this is what I think he should have
1: done. Okay. Instead of mind controlling people, he should have, like, used the lenses to try to find his brother. Like, d- do a scan of what other people are seeing while wearing the lenses. That doesn't even feel like as much of an invasion mm. if it's part of the, like, while wearing our lenses, we can see what you see or something. Oh, like, spy on people. Yeah, just, like, <laughs> do an image search for his brother <laughs> across the world. No big deal.
0: <laughs> Some Google Earth imagery. <laughs>
1: Which already, I think we already would have had, like, our moral dilemmas about that, too. But I'm like, how did it, I had no idea we were going to go to mind control. Like, just got real crazy. <laughs> it sure did. But, I, I mean, it did surprise me. And it, nope. yeah, it kind of worked. I don't, I think I didn't need it to go there. And I have some questions or, like, things that I don't love. But there's not, like, a huge, like, like, I feel like it kind of worked.
0: Yeah, it did. It, it just got a little bit absurdist yeah. for me yeah. at the end. Yeah.
1: No, just a little bit.
0: <laughs> and I would definitely say <laughs> I, love, I love Marie Lou. This is definitely my least favorite of her books, but I still really enjoyed reading it.
1: Yeah, but I agree. I think I liked the first book and a half more than I liked the ending. In part because it just came out of nowhere. I feel like if anything, it should have built up to that a little bit better or
0: something. Yeah. Well, the focus was so much on the games at first. And they were so fun. It was was all about workouts, and that was totally fine. And then it went real off the deep end.
1: I feel like we already had a good enough thing with, like, people wanting to... Like, even the mind control was already a little bit much, but we didn't need to have, like a dead subconscious person existing out in the digital world. Like we could have just had people fighting for control of controlling each other's minds. <laughs> yeah, that could have been interesting. Yeah. Like it sort of just kept escalating. It was like, okay, like maybe I'm following along <laughs> and then it was like, oh,
0: also, like this person doesn't exist. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I did not I did not see that coming at all. Yeah. Zero I, that was sad when he was like um if i don't have a physical form am i still real yeah it's a good it, question it, was, it really is it's very um full metal alchemist <laughs> but she i don't know i mean i think she does a good job of like doing that push and pull between suzuki and zero and like what's human and what's ai and like i think that's the point you know eventually it's going to become so blurred you might not know the difference mm-hmm. i mean Isn't that the goal of artificial intelligence when you don't know if you're interacting with a computer or a human?
1: Well, I think the whole book was a little bit about that, like, because everyone's living in this reality isn't reality anymore, right? Like, they're all walking around with these glasses Mm -hmm. and, like, looking at their, you know, imaginary dragon pets and, like, all this stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. sort of, like, Mm -hmm. what is real when everything is, like, in a world like that? Like, what, you know? Yeah, what is real
0: and what counts as real Mm -hmm. It's deep. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there were some interesting characters. I do. I almost wish we had more of some of those other. Like I like the characters a lot, and the plot was just a little um, out there. So I almost wild.
0: W- it was a little wild card. It was a bit of a wild card plot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, did you research anything cool?
1: Um, I did. Have you heard of the nocebo effect? No. So you've heard of the placebo effect, right? Yes. Okay, so a placebo effect is when like. You take a sugar pill in an experiment and you get the positive benefits even though you're not taking the actual medication, right? Correct. So the nocebo effect is basically the opposite. It's where you start to get the harmful... Okay, so this is how I started researching this first. Of all. I was okay. like really interested in this. <laughs> Sorry, I guess I should introduce <laughs> um, I was interested in this idea about how powerful is your brain and can... Because he just like t- clicks something in her brain and that's how he killed Taylor, right? Right. So I was sort of like, how, like, is there just like a switch in your brain that t- turns everything else out? Like, I was just kind of thinking about that or like what happens to your like kind of along this idea, like what's really going on? So I was reading about if your brain can kill you, basically. Oh my God. Um, So the nocebo effect is sort of like the opposite of the placebo effect, but it's all of the like negative things that you can essentially convince yourself of. So for a lot oh. of people, it's like side effects. So if you hear about the side effects of a pill or something, you may start to feel like you're developing those symptoms even if you're on like a sugar pill or something like that so the whole point of this is like your negative beliefs or your negative expectations can have a negative impact on your actual life but um here's a story it's not like proven or anything but i read about it in a few different places so there was this viennese neurologist and university teacher in the 18th century named eric miniger von Lurchenthal. Mm -hmm. And he taught at the medical school and there was this assistant that the students really didn't like. So they decided to play a prank on him and they like grabbed him and blindfolded him and they told him they were going to decapitate him. What? That's not a prank. That's torture. So they put his neck on a chopping block and one student swung an ax into a chunk of wood like nearby so he could hear it while another student dropped a wet cloth on his neck. So that wet cloth kind of felt like, you know, could be a steel blade, and supposedly the man died on the spot. (gasps) Okay. So wait, we don't have any proof that that actually happened, but this it's like this common like story antidote, yeah. Yeah. Um, But they do believe that there are there is evidence documented evidence that nocebos can cause death. So even in cultures where. You believe in things like witch doctors or shamans mm-hmm. and that they can curse you or something like that um, in some cases people will actually die or like have whatever they think the curse has been happened to them and they actually think it's more like your brain convincing yourself of that oh. if that makes sense and even they say totally things like that. after you get your flu shot how you might feel like you're getting the flu they're not sure mm-hmm. how much of that like they, it's hard to distinguish to what extent people are actually exposed to a germ or they just believe you know
0: yeah they know that it's possible to get they side know effects. that it's in there and yeah I totally have had that before because I have like I took a medicine one time that I knew caused nausea mm-hmm. and I felt super nauseous the entire weekend and I was like freaking myself out thinking I was gonna be sick
1: yeah well I just went to the hospital and I've been reading about this and I'm sort of like am I just because I had surgery earlier am I like creating my own issues where I'm like oh but people have actual physiological physiological reactions so even though there's like no good explanation it's not just like purely in your mind like your body sure. reacts to
0: and that's so dangerous too because there's so many illnesses where people are like oh it's just in your mind and your mind it's just in your mind and that's so not fair because like There's plenty of illnesses where it's like, no, something is actually wrong with you. And a lot of people just dismiss it as like you're inventing pain or something like that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's like there's not a real cause or the only cause is that it's in your mind, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. change the fact that you're really experiencing what you're experiencing. Sure. Um, So here's, this is kind of interesting. So uh, a Dr. Roy Reeves reported in 2007, there was this guy, he's just listed as Mr. A He was suffering from depression, and he consumed a whole bottle of pills. And he regretted his decision, so he went to the ER, and he collapsed in in the reception area. His blood pressure had plummeted. He was hyperventilating. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it looked really, really serious, and they gave him an IV, and they checked his blood, and they couldn't find any drugs in his system. Um, And four hours later or something, a different doctor was contacted and it turned out that he had been on a placebo for this drug trial. So he had overdosed on sugar pills. Um, and once he heard this, he recovered in full, but like, they're not sure if he could, like, there's some people who think that he would have actually died otherwise because of this, like, it's just, it's like crazy. Um, subjects brains have been scanned when they're undergoing nocebo suggestions and they'll like, they're a hypothalamus, they're pituitary, they're adrenal glands. All these, like, there's a bunch of things that are, like, actually reacting and releasing hormones and, and all kinds of stuff into you. You, you
0: see that with, like, people who, um, who are drinking, like, non-alcoholic beverages, who think they are drinking alcoholic beverages, they get drunk off, they get crazy drunk, even though they're not drinking alcohol.
1: Yeah, and it's there's a lot of questions about if, to what extent should they tell you about the side effects, if it could cause the side effects in part, you know? Like, obviously, you need so to be informed before yeah. taking a drug, but if hearing yeah. that you might have the side effect makes it more likely that you have the side effect. Like, what should they do? But, so I also was reading, there's a bunch of mysterious outbreaks in history that they think are somewhat a result of this. So, have you ever heard of the deadly dancing plague of 1518?
0: No, that sounds awesome. <laughs>
1: right? So, a dancing plague? Where you, yeah. like, dance yourself to death? Yeah, so, <laughs> there was, in 1518 in Strasbourg, there... <laughs> Was a case of dancing mania. Okay, oh, boy, is so that? in July, this woman, Mrs. Trophia, just began to dance in the street like really fervently, <laughs> and s- more and more people like started joining in. So within a week, there were thirty-four people who had joined, and within a month, there were four hundred people, <gasps> predominantly female, dancing in the street. Like a flash mob um, in the
0: fifteen hundreds.
1: Yeah, and some of these people were dying from heart attacks or strokes what? or just pure exhaustion. And so uh, one report claimed that 15 people per day were dying of this dancing plague. What? And um, there's a bunch of historical documents of all different kinds prove... Like, the one thing that's, like, not debated is, like, these people were actually dancing. It wasn't, like, some... um... Like,
0: virus that got into their brain?
1: Well, they don't know why they were dancing. But, yeah, people... Like, there's all these different accounts that people were dancing. And so there were all these theories about what was causing it. And they actually, at the time, they believed... It was caused by hot blood, okay um, and they thought that the dancers could only recover if they could dance continuously without interruption, so they like they already like, Lordies, like built stages for them, and they asked musicians to play to like no, keep this going,
0: gave them some tap shoes,
1: yeah, okay, so basically this whole thing was going on, and then there were some theories later on that there might have been um. This like psychoactive chemical that got into the grain
0: supply or something. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, but and like it just made them have to move. Yeah, they were just like
1: dancing in the street (laughs) for four to six days at a time, and people were like literally dying. And I guess they were really distressed. Like they were asking them, and like they, they, it's not that they wanted to stop. Like they,
0: they were just like, we can't stop dancing. Yeah, they were unable to stop. (laughs) This is awful but they I wonder if there was anything about like them dancing and people like being having an urge to join well that's I mean it was like sort of a power of suggestion
1: right so now people believe this like mass hysteria and stuff is also sort of this power of suggestion in a negative way type of thing wow It was like if you saw, like, five people dancing in the street and unable to stop, all of a sudden you were like, I need to dance in the street and I can't stop either. (laughs) Better join them. But it wasn't, like, a choice, truly. Or, you know, it wasn't, like, a full conscious choice. So then, so I was reading more about these kind of, like, crazy... Wait,
0: I want to know how they, how did they cure the dancers? Well,
1: so I guess it just, like, eventually stopped. Wow. Yeah, they let them dance themselves silly. Well, I mean, they said within a month, 400 people were dancing. So I guess they were still doing it a month later. Wow. So then I also read about the Tanganyika laughter epidemic of
0: 1962.
1: Ooh. So this was somewhere in Tanzania. I forget specifically. But this was back in 1962 at a mission-run boarding school. There were these girls, three girls, who, like, told a joke, and they started laughing uncontrollably. (laughs) And it spread throughout the school, and it affected (laughs) 95 of these students, of 159 students. And the symptoms would last anywhere from a few days to 16 days. What? And supposedly the teaching staff was not affected. The, they didn't start laughing. But the school shut down at some point because no one could focus. Oh my and goodness. And it spread to some of the villages where the girls were from. And the adults and stuff, like their parents started doing it. And like other people in the village.
0: That is like that Monty Python skit with the funniest joke in the world. When like I haven't seen that. <laughs> they like have a joke that's so funny that if you hear it, you die laughing. And they were like using it as a weapon against the Germans in World War Two. <laughs> That's funny.
1: Yeah, but eventually the school was sued because they allowed the children and parents to, like, transmit this disease to other people. This joke? Yeah, and 6 to 18 months after it started, so I don't know why there's such a big range, it died off, but um, these were some of the symptoms that were reported at the same time. Pain, fainting, flatulence, respiratory problems, rashes, attacks of crying, and random
0: screaming. What was the joke? Did you know what the joke was? No, uh,
1: I don't even know if there was like truly a joke or if it was just like these girls started laughing and couldn't and stop. Couldn't stop. Laughter well, um, is
0: infectious. I will say that. Yeah, but so I was reading these
1: like just stories about like your brain is really powerful and it can be negative. <laughs> wow,
0: <laughs> it's not always
1: working in your favor.
0: Those are such good stories. I really want to keep researching the dancing epidemic. I that know. I fascinating. I'll send you some other articles. Yeah, it was kind of
1: kind of crazy. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah, and there's, like, more cases of this, of things like this, and it's really just the power of suggestion, especially in communities, um, you know, like, it it looks like it spread, like, another disease because it's, like, contact mm-hmm. with people or whatever. There was, um, in the 1980s, a group of people who were arriving in the U.S. from Southeast Asia, they were all young men with no pre-existing illness and they started dying in their sleep after having sleep paralysis and nightmares oh, and no don't say that people thought that or the experts thought that it was because they had a really strong cultural belief in deadly night spirits so like Ooh. because they believed in these spirits that could kill you in your sleep they were dying They actually in their sleep.
0: died in their sleep yeah oh i get I i get sleep paralysis so i don't want to think about that
1: Oh, that's so scary. Yeah, so hopefully everyone listening to this doesn't develop
0: laughing fever or the dancing plague. Oh my god, everyone's going to come down with some weird symptoms. <laughs> I just,
1: I love how the dancing plague, they're like, well, what should we do? Let's build a dance floor and hire some
0: musicians. <laughs> Let's make him keep dancing. Get it out of their system. <laughs> oh. but, well, I went kind of dark too. Not that that was dark, but... It's um, kind of dark. It was negative. It was sad. Yeah. Well, mine's a lot sadder. Mine, okay. um, I researched uh science experiments done on children oh great because i obviously was reading about dr taylor and her mad
1: experiments so but did you at least look at science experiments that children were signed up for as opposed to tricked them to doing yeah oh,
0: that's a little bit happier well th- their parents knew they were doing it the children did not okay so it's not, it's still not, not very good. But it reminded. I thought about this because I remember in high school learning about that experiment with um, Little Albert. Do you remember about, remember that one? I don't know. Tell me about it. It was an experiment to see if they could condition children to have certain emotional reactions to certain objects. Hmm. So
1: I don't think I heard about this.
0: In the case of Little Albert, they. Presented him with a fluffy toy, like a stuffed bunny, mm-hmm. and then at the same time they made a loud noise. Um, and like loud noises is a really f- a frightening thing for a small child. And so, yeah. So what age are we talking about? He was an he was like six months. No, no, he was sitting up. He was probably a year old. Okay, which is very young. Yeah. But so they would present him with this fluffy object and then make this loud, frightening noise. And then after a lot of repetition, they would present him with the object and he would start like trembling uncontrollably and start crying. So he'd mm-hmm. begin to associate this fluffy white object with fear. It's like
1: Pavlov's dog. But exactly. Cruel and unusual
0: for yeah. children. And so but like at the same time, I remember watching a video of the experiment and they were using a live rabbit. And so they were they were basically saying, like, hey, even just presenting this live rabbit to this child, which you would think a small child would love a fluffy live rabbit. The baby Mm -hmm. was crying. But I remember watching the video and they were literally like taking this rabbit and like throwing it at this child, (laughs) like violently throwing a rabbit in the child's face. And then the rabbit would try to run away and they'd grab it and they'd shove it back in the baby's face. And I was like, yeah, I would cry too if you were like manhandling this poor bunny and throwing it at me.
1: I mean, plenty of kids are scared of things they don't know, too. That's you know, true. Like,
0: yeah. But the thing that's but. really bad about that experiment is that they never, um, I guess the point was, like, you can condition a child to fear an object, but you can also condition a child to not fear that object anymore, and they never mm-hmm. did it. So so somewhere out there is, like, this adult who's terrified of white, fluffy objects. Aww. I know. And so it was, like, really irresponsible. Yeah. Easter must be rough. Yeah, I know. So it was like I remember reading about that as a teenager, and it was an example of like a very irresponsible experiment that had a bad effect on this on poor Albert.
1: It's interesting. I'm trying to think of like well, I was like, why would anyone put their kid through an experiment like this? But then I'm also thinking about, it, especially in the case of Hideo's parents and stuff. Like, if your kid is dying, people do experimental drug. Like, you know, you'll do you'll try anything to try to yeah you know if nothing already tested isn't working of course you're gonna sign up for whatever you can i don't know about the rabbit thing that seems like a weird thing to sign your
0: kid up for yeah that's bizarre so there was another one called the robber's cave experiment have you heard of that one no so basically it was designed to see how children can be conditioned to dislike certain groups of people like like making racists out of children or something um not so much that just like well yeah i mean in this case they didn't divide the the children based on race but it was just like how kids can be conditioned to hate for no reason at all okay so like there were 11 boys who were all 11 years old and they were headed to a summer camp at this robbers cave state park in oklahoma and they did not know that their parents had signed them up for an experiment and so the first week, the two groups were kept apart, and they, were, they had a lot of team-building activities where they formed really tight relationships, and they had their own leaders and their own hierarchy, and they had their own names. There were the Eagles and the Rattlers. And um, each group had a flag to represent themselves. And then once they um, formed these really tight bonds, they brought the two groups together. And neither group knew that the other one existed. So all of a sudden, they had like an enemy group who was presented to them as opponents, Because they started um, like staging competitions between the two groups,
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: they did like tug of war tournaments and baseball tournaments, and they had really cool prizes. And the objective was to see like how having close relationships with one group, how you would react to like seeing a rival group. And Mm -hmm. they said within three weeks there were fights breaking out among the boys and it ended in a full-out battle where the eagles stole the rattlers flag and burned it oh my goodness! yeah and this like doesn't really shock me because i know that
1: people you know treat others like i know that's a but it's like why would we do why would we put kids in this situation
0: i know and none of the boys had any previous um aggressive behavior or behavioral problem and like they uh, they turned into violent monsters and this was the third time they had done this experiment. So, again, I just have so many questions for these parents. Like, who signs their kid up for this? Who would do that? No idea. Unless they weren't informed about what was going to happen. Or your parent was like, well, my child would never do that, you know. Yeah.
1: Or like, free camp for a week? Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. So there was another thing about how kids reacted to violence. This is in the 1960s. And... There was a psychologist named Albert Bandura who wanted to investigate whether children would imitate aggressive behavior without encouragement. So what he did was he took a blow-up clown doll
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he filmed a video of an adult uh, kicking this clown doll. So like beating it, punching it, like uh-huh. attacking it. And then he showed the video to a group of 24 children. I they were going to say
1: 24-year-olds. I'm like, those aren't kids, but <laughs> those
0: aren't kids. 24 children and then he gave a second group of children a non-violent video to watch and then the third group of children were given no video to watch at all and then all three groups were let into a room where the same blow-up clown doll was Mm -hmm. and every kid in the group who saw the video of the clown being attacked immediately started beating up this clown doll and like the pictures are horrific there's one of a little girl like she looks like she's three years old, and she's hitting this doll with a hammer. Oh my like, goodness. she has it over her head, ready to hit this doll. So then they decided that um, that the experiment wasn't good enough because they argued that like a blow up doll is designed to be kind of like smacked around because it's like
1: mm-hmm.
0: a you know it's a blow up doll. Yeah. And so they did it again, and they showed them a video of an adult punching and kicking a real life clown actor and then they did the same thing and sure enough the kids started attacking the actual clown so did the kids from the other
1: groups not attack him just the ones who had seen the yeah okay Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean to be fair kids mimic
0: everything at that age yeah totally but like it's just so it's just so awful thinking of these poor kids. Like, well, I'm so I'm
1: always so curious when people do experiments, especially when they're young. Like, I want to like mm-hmm. hear what happened ten years down the road. Like, were those kids more likely to be in an aggravated assault or something? Or you know, like how, how yeah. impactful were these experiments?
0: <laughs> I'm sure they were really impactful and like did damage. Yeah. Um, oh, this one's awful. So there's this. This is called the broken toy experiment. So what they did was they um, wanted to understand how toddlers experienced guilt. hmm And so they gave a, a toy to a child, and the adult would explain to the child that the toy was something very sentimental to them. So they would be like, here's my favorite doll. I'm going to let you play with her, but she's very special to me. She's very important to me. Please be very careful with her. And then, of course, mm-hmm. the toy would be rigged to break as soon as the little kid touched it. Mm-hmm. This is so awful. So the kid would break the doll. And then as part of the experiment, the adult would stare at the child for a full minute. Oh my goodness. In total silence. Could you imagine? Even now, that would, yeah, I'd lose it. That would destroy me. I would be shattered. And it was to teach children the concept of time dilation. So how guilt, when you experience guilt, it feels like the longest minute of your life. But that's like mm-hmm. it's that's like torture. It's it's
1: completely insane. Even if you didn't break it, having someone stare at you for a minute would make it feel like oh the longest God. minute ever anyways. Mhm. So that like I feel like the only children exp- child experiment that I can think of is you know that one where they used to um be like you can have one marshmallow now or five marshmallows if you Ugh. can wait until I come back yeah. and like
0: to teach them delayed gratification, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's, like, the only one I can think of, which doesn't sound as bad because you get marshmallows or whatever at the end of yeah. it.
0: Yeah, I could deal with that one. Yeah. But like, and the, oh. have you heard of the baby the baby drop one, too? That sounds more violent than it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say no. I think I'm still going to say no, but now I'm interested in hearing <laughs> This was on the list, too, but I had heard of this one. It's when um, they would put, like, a baby who had just started to crawl on a special table And half the table would have something solid underneath it and then half the table would be clear glass. So it looked like Mm -hmm. the baby would be crawling off a cliff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was on a table. It was perfectly safe. But they would have their mother stand on the other side and try and coax the baby to crawl forward. But the baby would be caught between this awful dilemma where, like, they want to get to their parent, but Mm -hmm. they see... And they trust their parent, yeah. And they trust their parent. And then they see this, like pit this abyss beneath them and it looks like it feels like they're gonna crawl off an edge and fall yeah that's terrible i know and they wanted to see this in the 1960s so i mean it was called the visual cliff experiment and it was awful because they were they were trying to have babies choose between obedience and their own self-preservation so what did what was the result of that so they tested 36 infants ranging from six to fourteen months old and of those 36, only three babies crept over the cliff towards their mother.
1: And then those poor babies, later on, are they like, oh, I can jump out this window. Maybe. I would feel like that would also have, like, once they realize they are fine. Is that really what you want to teach them either? Like, I don't know.
0: Most of them crawled away from their mothers and probably never trusted them again. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but none of those people's siblings grew up to mind control the world um as far as we know (laughs) so far
0: maybe we're all being mind controlled now i don't know
1: that's true (laughs) if we're all being mind controlled i hope they bring back the dancing plague too
0: (laughs) so okay we have a few things to do before we move on to the next series we have to think of a fan name i still like bounty hunters
1: oh do you okay i'll be a bounty hunter but i'm open to others i haven't come up with anything better than that
0: i mean the only other thing i could think of was wild cards
1: I kind of like Wildcard, too.
0: Um, I don't know. Do we care that Wildcard is the name of the book? Kind of. Let's be bounty hunters.
1: Okay. We'll be bounty hunters. Okay.
0: Cool. Oh, and what was your... Oh, we have to think of a rating.
1: Oh, yeah. How many... Algorithms? (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think of, like, lives
0: or something, but...
1: Oh, how many power-ups? Okay, how many power-ups out of ten would you give the series as a whole?
0: I'm gonna give it seven. That's what I was gonna pick. Ah, we're tied.
1: Okay. <laughs> I think the first book I would give higher, and the second yeah. book I would give lower. I totally and it agree. Would average
0: to a seven. A hundred percent agree.
1: Um, what else do we have to do?
0: Oh, uh, favorite. favorite scene? Make a
1: movie. Yeah.
0: Favorite if, scene you want made into a movie? <sighs> I still want one of the games. Yeah, but we didn't really have much of that this time. Oh, in this specifically, this half of the book, or this book as a
1: whole, right? Or I guess, do we do the whole series? if we not do in the first time?
0: We did. We picked the games. <laughs>
1: I think in this book, I think it would be seeing that like dark world fair.
0: Oh, That's I love the dark see. world fair. I was gonna research world fairs, but then I I
1: did, and it, and I like got bored. Yeah. So I
0: looked up that other stuff instead. Um. I love that there was a Dark World Fair. I, I guess I would pick when they were fighting the last Warcross game in uh, Zero's Mind, and they had all the yeah. obstacles that they were trying to get through, and, like, the memories kept kept appearing. I guess I liked that the best.
1: I especially liked the first part of that, when they were, like, trying to go up that lat or climb that ladder, and they were being chased, and mm-hmm. they had the balls. And, like, I felt like I could visualize that part really, really well. That was, like, more fun. The rest of it was kind of, like, weird, but that was my favorite, like, I understood what they were doing, and...
0: <laughs> and it, and they had, it had a tie-in, because it was the A-game that Hideo yeah. and Suzuki were playing when, when Suzuki got kidnapped. That, I liked yeah. that, that tie-in. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we're, we agree about this series, which we weren't totally aligned with the last one we read, but I think we kind of both feel the same about this one. Yeah. And I, I still love Marie Lu, and we'll read anything she puts out. Oh my gosh, 100%. She's, oh my god, did you hear she's, she just signed a three book deal? No. So she's writing, she's writing a brand new series. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. But it's like a brand new series, it's a duology. And she also is writing a new book set in the Legend universe.
1: Oh, I did read about that. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Like that, yeah.
0: I think she said it takes place 10 years after the end of, after the epilogue of Champion.
1: Yeah, I remember when I read it, it reminded me of what they're doing with Red Rising. It was like, yeah, a decade later or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: But I think it's just a standalone book because this article I read said that she's signing a three-book deal, and the first novel is the Legends kind of reboot, and then her new series is called Skyhunter. That sounds interesting. A story of young people fighting for their lives. (laughs) Oh, something new and different. (laughs) But that does sound interesting, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I like the name Sky. Honey. I'm so glad
1: we have more to look forward to from Marie Lou. Yes. Do you want to introduce our next book?
0: Yeah, so, okay, our next series is by an author. I've never read anything by this author before, but she's written a lot, and they're all on my, you know, to-be-read list. <laughs> um, so we are reading The Raven Boys by Maggie Stief, Stief Vader. God damn it. I looked at an article about how to pronounce her name. <laughs> I think she said something like "stiff otter," "stiff otter." <laughs> she broke it up. I'll take she your broke word. it down for yeah. me, <laughs> and she was like, "It's like this word and this word together."
1: You know, I'm gonna um, butcher it at some point, so <laughs> don't worry about it.
0: We're sorry, Maggie. We're so sorry. Um, so she wrote "Shiver," and she also wrote "The Raven Boys," and she also wrote "The Scorpio Races," hmm. which i wanted to read all three of these series, and I haven't read any. I haven't read of them. any of them either. So. Yeah, so we'll see what we see. Um, this book is a quadrology, also known as a tetralogy.
1: <laughs> if you're official.
0: And, <laughs> and um, I can read a little bit about the book if you yes, want. Yes, please. I didn't practice this beforehand. I should have.
1: <laughs> you can re-record if you need to.
0: Okay. Every year, Blue Sergeant stands next to her clairvoyant mother as the soon-to-be-dead walk past blue never sees them until this year when a boy emerges from the dark and speaks to her his name is Gainsy and he is a rich student at al oh dear Aglianby, by i don't know a local private school blue has a policy of staying away from aglian aglian Bay boys known as raven boys they can only mean trouble but blue is drawn to Gainsy in a way she can she can't entirely explain he's on a quest that has encompassed three other raven boys Adam the scholarship student who resents the privilege around him Ronan the fierce soul whose emotions range from anger to despair and Noah the taciturn watcher who notices many things but says very little for as long as she can remember Blue has been warned that she will cause her true love to die that sucks (laughs) god what a downer she doesn't believe in true love and never thought this would be a problem but as her life becomes caught up in the strange and sinister world of the Raven Boys she's not so sure anymore from Maggie Stiffotter, the best-selling, acclaimed author of the Shiver trilogy and the Scorpio Races, comes a spellbinding new series where the iniva- inevitability of death and the nature of love leads us to a place we've never been before. I don't know. How, I do not know how to pronounce this school's name. It's spelled A G L I O N B Y.
1: I liked what you did.
0: What? I don't Aglian-B. even know what I did.
1: Aglion. Ag- 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 Aglionby. Mm. I think that, yeah. Aglion by. Aglion by. Aglion by. <laughs>
0: God, oh, we're already bad at pronouncing things.
1: Ag-lie-on by. on
0: <laughs> <kidding. Aglian> by.
1: <laughs> I love how they're on a quest. I want to be on a quest.
0: What do you want to be on a quest for? I don't know. I just want to
1: go on a quest at some point in my make life. Make our own
0: quest. Like buried treasure?
1: I don't know. No, I feel like it's bigger. It's not just like buried treasure is just like a treasure hunt. This is a quest. A
0: quest for tr- truth. What are they on a quest for? We don't know yet. We just know they're on a quest. Oh, no, just they're on a quest. A quest to figure out how to pronounce this name <laughs> for the school. <laughs> I'll just say where I'm an alumni of. Uh,
1: what are you going to be for Halloween? I kind of want to be a pirate because I love pirates and all the stories we've read.
0: Uh, you know what? I was just thinking I really miss pirates. We haven't yeah. had pirates and enough pirates in our stories as of late.
1: I know. I just got to... YA book, I forget the name of it now, about a group of female pirates, and I'll tell you if it's any good. Ooh, please
0: do. I was gonna start reading The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy. Ooh. Let me
1: know. How That's that the is.
0: sequel to The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. Um, which is pretty good. And there were pirates in that one too, so I'll let you know how that is. Sounds good. But for Halloween, I am going to be a T Rex nice i got i have an inflatable t-rex costume that sounds really fun <laughs> and i bought banjo a little tiny dinosaur costume i did see
1: that i think somewhere <laughs> on social media i posted something. it already yeah <laughs> love it oh. what about you i don't know i kind of want to be a pirate but i don't have a pirate costume so i'll have to think of something
0: that's an easy thing you, you know what james should be a parrot <laughs> that would be good <laughs> that would be really funny i'll see if i can talk him into it that's what my little nephew is gonna do he was going to be a little, a little parrot, and his dad was going to be a pirate.
1: I love it. Do <laughs> you want to hear a joke?
0: Is it, your, is it your turn to tell me a joke?
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's not. I think it I'm is. It. Okay.
0: I'm worried that I'll start laughing and I'll never stop. <laughs> Eight months later, I'll still be laughing.
1: <laughs> this is a dangerous joke. <laughs> why did the snail paint an S on his car?
0: Oh, I don't know why.
1: So his friends would say, Look at the S car go. <laughs> Oh, I really like that one. so <laughs> dumb. I need to... I think you saw this book when I got it, but it's funny because the jokes, they, like, have these little, like, not stick figures, but, like, just, like, the outline of people telling the joke and hearing the joke, and they're all really funny. I'll have to send you some pictures.
0: Please do. <laughs> that one's really good. I like that a lot. Yeah. I was amused. Okay. So, for next week, we... Well, in two weeks, because we take a week off in between series... Um, We're going to read up to chapter 22 of The Raven Boys by Maggie Stiffotter.
1: Okay. I'm going to forget that, so remind (laughs) me. Cool. If you want to get in touch with us or have a joke or have a suggestion or just want to share some thoughts or whatever. Tell us how to pronounce things. Yeah. Yeah. Correct our every everything everything i say can be corrected (laughs) Uh, you can email us at mnktalkya at gmail.com or find us on instagram or facebook at mnktalkya
0: we would love to hear from you bye bookworms go get a library card